4 and verse 8, James chapter 4 and verse 8. Now, if you didn't bring your Bible with you, we have some that we'd like to loan you. So if you don't have a Bible, uh, you just raise your hand real high and our ushers will be glad to get you one. You can borrow it for today. Just leave it on the seat when you leave and then we'll be able to use it again next week. But uh, it's good to turn in the Bible, you know. Even though the scriptures are on the screen, it's just good to turn in the Bible. James 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Let's just stop right there and think about that. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Does God want to draw near to us? I, I believe that He does. But we need to draw near to him. And uh, if we'll do that, then he'll draw near to us. So I'm titling this, this message today, A Closer Walk. A Closer Walk. And I'm going to show you from the Bible how all of us can have a closer walk with God. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a pattern given. How many of you remember the tabernacle that was given to to Moses. You remember that? That was a tent tabernacle, you know. And uh, the Bible says in the New Testament that these things in the Old Testament were given to us as types and symbols and we can learn from them. And so God up in heaven there's a there's you know God has a throne in heaven. And 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 actually there's a temple up in heaven and God gave a pattern of that to Moses and he constructed it here upon the earth. And then, of course, later Solomon, you know, he built his, his temple and all of that. Of course, the tent tabernacle that tra traveled with the Israelites in the wilderness, there were different articles or, or pieces of furniture, if you will, or, or whatever in the tabernacle. And we're going to take a brief look at each of those today and how the tabernacle was set up. And in so doing, I believe that we will learn how we can have a closer walk with God. So uh, Hebrews chapter 9, uh, verse number 1. Let's go there. Hebrews 9, verse 1. Let's just read a few verses here. Hebrews 9, verse 1. Then indeed, Hebrews 9, verse 1. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly, notice the earthly sanctuary or the earthly tabernacle. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, that's, you know, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, and behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, or the holy of holies, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot, had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded in the tablets of the covenant, you know, the Ten Commandments. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these we cannot speak now in detail. So the writer of Hebrews just kind of gives us a little outline. But on the screen, we have a, and, and they'll put that up, there's a picture that, that we have of the tabernacle. And I don't know how well you can see that. Can you see that okay? And I've got a little pointer here. Can you see my pointer? All right, so this was the tabernacle. And right here, let's see how good my pointing is. Can you read what that says? That's the gate. There was a gate in, to get into this, this tabernacle, okay? And then the next thing you ran into was this altar here, okay? And then after that, you had the laver, all right? 
And then after that, there was an opening, which called it the first veil or the door. Then over here, you have a lamp stand. You had a table of showbread, okay? And then up here, you had this altar of incense. And then there was another veil or an opening where you could go through. And this, this was where the high priest would go in once a year, you know, into the Holy of Holies. And there's the Ark of the Covenant. That's the thing that Indiana Jones was looking for. Remember that? How many remember that? All right. Okay, and, uh, and you need to realize that, that only the high priest could go up in this area. The priest could go in here, you know, into this area. But doesn't the Bible say that we've been made kings and priests through the blood of Jesus? All right, so as we get into this, I just wanted to give you a little setup here. That's how the tabernacle was, was, was put together. Now, we're gonna go through each of these Parts and we'll show you, you see, how you can live a life up here. See, this is where the throne of God is. This is where the presence of God is. And this is where we want to get to. So we'll show you how to do that here just in, in a few minutes here today. Go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. You're right there in Hebrews 9. Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, leaving... The discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Did you notice that the word repentance is listed before having faith in, in God? How many of you noticed that in that verse there? Repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Now, a lot of times people will tell you that the first step towards God is to have faith. But did you know that's not the first step toward God? The first step toward God is repentance. Real loud say repentance. Repentance. That's the first step toward God. Not, not faith. What's the first step toward God? Repentance. What does repentance mean? It means to have a change of heart. It means to turn from the way you're going and go in the other direction, to turn away from a sinful life and, and, and you know, be sorry for the way you've been, been acting and then turn toward God. Once you do that, then after you've repented, then what? Then you have faith in God. Do you understand that? And, and you say, well, why, why in the world do you, you bring that up? Well, here's the deal. Back to the picture because we're going to be going back to this picture. You need to realize that the camp of Israel they were encamped around this tabernacle. And for the sake of this message, we're gonna say that every, everyone that's, that's outside of this box here, see where I'm taking this, this pointer? Can you see that okay? Everybody outside that will say is in the world. They're lost and undone without Jesus, without Christ. So, so the object here is we wanna get in Christ. We want to get in Christ. Now there's, you know, there's only one way into this, into this, area in here and it's through this gate realize say the gate the gate see that gate that's the only way to move toward almighty God is to get through this gate now that gate is a gate of repentance it's a gate of repentance that's what that gate represents it's a gate of repentance and actually if you could see this gate in real life you would see that it was a most beautiful gate 
Now, why do you think it's, it was most beautiful? Because it symbolizes the goodness of God. Do you realize the Bible says the goodness of God is what leads someone to repentance? And so when, when sinners would walk by and they would see this gate, they would see something that was very beautiful and very, very wonderful, and they would, they would be attracted to it. That's why I believe we as Christians, we need to present God and we need to present the goodness of God to people. Now, how many of you know there is a severe side to God? How many of you know the Bible talks about the goodness and the severity of God? And there is a severe side to the Lord. How many of you know there is a heaven and there's also a what? A hell. But you know, most people, you just present the goodness of God to them and they'll they'll want to come to Christ. Now, the Bible says some people, they just won't, they won't come to Christ any other way unless you preach hell to them. So then you preach hell to those people, you see. But the majority of the people will be attracted to God by his goodness. And this gate was a gate, it was a beautiful gate. It was a gate of repentance. It was beautiful. It drew people unto it. Now you also need to realize that there was only one gate here. There wasn't any way for anybody to slip in any other way. Do you notice that? Why is that? Because there's only one way to God and his name is Jesus Christ. You need to understand that. Not Mohammed, not not Buddha, not Allah. Do you understand that? How How many of you realize that Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the door. Didn't he say that? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You need to realize there's not many roads that lead to God. There's only one way, and his name would be, that's why we put that up there. That's why I had him put that up there. When people walk in, you, you know right where we stand. Who is Lord? Okay, now that's what the Bible said. I didn't write that. God wrote that. You understand? Okay, so, um, and, and something else you need to realize here, that this gate right here, do you all see that gate? It was wide enough Now listen, it was wide enough so that whosoever will, let him come. But it was also narrow enough that nobody could slip in there by accident. There was no accidental entries. How many of you know nobody gets saved by accident? You realize that? You don't get saved by accident just because your mother was a Christian. Is that right? Or just because your aunt was a Christian. Is that right? You don't get saved by accident. You get saved on purpose by first of all, what's the first thing? Have faith or repent? Repent. So anybody outside, see this box here represents Christ. This big box represents Christ. And how many of you know to miss hell and make heaven, we have to be in Christ. Is that right? So to get in Christ, was there many ways to get in or just one? Just one through this gate. It's a beautiful gate. It's a gate of repentance. What's the first step toward God? Is it believing or is it repenting? Repenting. You know, having faith and believing is the same thing. So it's, it's first step towards God is not believing. First step toward God is repentance. All right? Now, once somebody came through that gate, once they came through that gate, guess what the first thing they ran into was? It was this altar, this altar right here. Now, do you realize that that altar is where the animals were slaughtered? That's where the animals were slaughtered. And and you realize that that altar 
represents the cross of Calvary. It repre- it's symbolic of Jesus dying on the cross. How many of you know that Jesus was, was crucified, he was massacred, he was slaughtered upon the cross, wasn't he? Is that right? And see, all of those animals that were slaughtered on that altar were symbolic of the Lamb of God. Who's the Lamb of God? Jesus, who would come all those thousands of years later from the time Moses got this, several thousand years would pass, Jesus would come and he would die upon that cross at Calvary, you see. So this right here represents the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It represents Jesus dying upon the cross. And one thing I will say now, these these articles here are not built to scale here on this picture, but if they were, this altar was very, very large. Actually, this altar was the biggest piece of furniture in the temple. Now, what is that symbolic of? Well, let me say it this way. All of these other articles, the the laver, the lampstand, the showbread, you know, the incense altar, and, and even this right up here, the Ark of the Covenant, all of these pieces could, could fit inside of this, uh, this altar here, you see. Now, what's that symbolic of? That's symbolic of the fact that all the other blessings that we have are all encompassed in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen to that? All right. So when someone would, this was a gate of what? It was a gate of what? Repentance. And then once inside the gate, this altar was unavoidable. There was no way around it. Once you repented, you ran right in, you came in the gate, you ran right into that which represents the cross of Christ. And the thing of it is, is that to get saved, you must first what? You must first repent and then what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get what I just said? So what this is symbolic of is here's a sinner wandering around out here, you know, and all of a sudden they come by and they see this beautiful gate. They're drawn to it. Then what happens? They must first what? Repent. And then they run right into that which represents the cross of Christ and then they must have faith in him. You see, this, this gate and this altar, you, you couldn't separate the two. You, couldn't, you, could, you can't separate the two. So what did we read in that scripture? It's repentance from dead works and then what? Faith towards God. So repentance and faith in Jesus, guess what happens? That gets somebody saved. That gets somebody in Christ. Are you all right? I'm not boring you yet, am I? All right. Now here's the deal. Did you know, now, now are, are we trying to get right in here or are we trying to get up there? Trying to get up there. Did you know that most Christians that I've met over the many years, they repent, they believe on Jesus, they come to the cross of Christ, they get saved, they get born again, and they spend, now listen to me, they spend the entirety of their Christian life right out here in what's called this outer court. Did you know it's possible to be saved, to be born again, and not have a close walk with God? Did you know that? How many of you know that? I'd say most Christians that I've met over the years, they, they, they repent, they get saved, they believe on Jesus, and they live the entirety of their life out here in this outer court. All, I mean, they might live 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years of their natural life, and they, they never do get any closer to God 
They stay out here in this outer court. Now, how many of you know being in this outer court beats, beats going to hell, doesn't it? How many of you know it beats going to hell? But you know what? Most Christians I've met, they never do get up here around the power of God. How many of you would like the healing power of God to flow through you, drive the sickness out and, and bring about healing and sound? We've seen hundreds of people healed by the power of God around here. How many of you know God's Jesus still in the healing business? I said we've had people healed of cancer. We have, we've had people healed of everything. Why is that? Because we, we do our best to endeavor to spend our time up here around the power of God. You hang around the power of God and the power of God will jump off on you and heal you. Amen? But you're not going to experience much power out here. So how many of you would like me to show you how to get up close to the power? Well, here we go. What's this? Can you read what, can you see what that says? That says the laver. That's the laver. Okay? And you see each of these, these articles will lead us closer to the, the power and the presence of God. So right here you have the laver. Now that laver, it's interesting that uh, the laver is symbolic. See, this laver right here was made out of, uh, of bronze, all right, but on the inside of it, it, had, it was made out of the mirrors or the looking glasses of the uh, ladies of Israel, you know. And if you went over to the book of James, I won't for the sake of time, but you can see that, that the word of God is likened unto a mirror. It's likened unto a mirror. The word of God is something that we can come to and look into it and we can see ourselves in there and we can see where we need to make adjustments and where we need to change and so on and so forth. And so the word of God is likened unto a mirror also in this labor right here, also in this labor, it contained water. Real loud say water. Now it contained water and that water was for the washing of the hands and, and the feet of, of, the, of the priests, you know. And what is water symbolic of? Well, in this case, it's symbolic of the uh, word of God. Do you remember the Bible say, saying, let's go to Ephesians 5.26. Let's go to Ephesians 5.26 because I want to show you this. Ephesians 5.26. Notice that he might sanctify and cleanse her talking about the church. Talking about the church. People who are already saved. People, this is people who've already been washed in the blood of Jesus. That he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the what? By the word, that would be the word of God or the Bible. Now let's go back to that picture if we could please. And notice this right here, this laver contained water and this is symbolic of the word of God. And the, and, and the priests would come here and wash their hands, their feet and so on and so forth. Uh, notice out here you had the blood, right here you have the what? The water. Here you had the, the what? The blood. Here you have the... Water. This is symbolic of the blood of Jesus. This is symbolic of the word of God, you see. You understand that? Didn't Jesus make the statement to his disciples one time? He said, he said those that are already clean need only to wash their, their feet. Remember that? See, once you get born again, all right, you become a Christian, all right, you're, you're now positioned in Christ. You're going to miss hell. That's wonderful. You're in this outer court, but to get closer to God, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to get into the what? Into the, into the what? Into the word of God. 
Say, I must get into the Word of God. So you see, if you want to get closer to God, you, you don't want to just stay right out in here. You want to get into the what? Into the Word of God. What happens when a Christian sins and misses it? Doesn't the Bible say that uh, if we'll confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, when a, when a Christian sins, they don't need to go back to this, this right here. They need to go where? They need to go to the water. They need, you understand what I'm saying? So to get closer to God as a Christian, what you have to do is you have to get into what? You must get into the, into the word of God, okay? And you'd be surprised how many people, they repent, sinner, they repent, they come to the cross, they get saved, and they live their life right out here in this outer court, and they never do get into the word of God. How many of you know you need to get into the word of God on a daily basis? Daily basis, daily basis. Now, it's interesting to note, it's interesting to note that you see that gate right there? You see that's a certain width. And then this picture doesn't show it, but beyond this laver, there was an opening called the first veil or the door. And that was, now listen to me, that opening there was not as wide as this opening. See that? See that gate? And then there was an opening that was less wide. And then when you get up here, there was an opening that was less wide than that. What is that symbolic of? It's symbolic of this, that to get up closer to God, it requires more dedication, consecration, and commitment. I'll tell you this, it's a whole lot easier to get saved than it is to walk up here in the power of God. Did you know I've noticed a lot of Christians over the years, you know, they, they, they repent, they get saved, and they live out here in this outer court. They never do discipline. Did you know it takes discipline to get into the word of God every day? But they don't do it. And so they just, you know, you're not, you're not gonna get up close to the power of God if you're gonna just uh, stay out of the word of God and not get into the word of God on a daily basis. You're not gonna walk in the power of God if you don't get into the word of God on a day. Did you hear what I just said? On a daily basis. All right, did you, did you hear what I just said? So now th this opening was a certain width. Then there was an opening up here. It was, it was more narrow. And then up here, it was narrower yet. What is that symbolic of? It's symbolic of the fact that if you wanna get up near the power of God, it's gonna take more consecration and dedication. Look at John 8.31. Go there if you would. John 8.31. John 8.31. John 8, 31, notice what Jesus said to the Jews who believed. Notice what he said to them, John 8, 31. He said, if you do what? Abide in my word, you are my what? Disciples indeed. Now look right here. He's talking about people who have believed. And then he says, if you what? Abide in my word, you are my Decide, then you are my disciplined ones indeed. Now let's go back to the picture. See, what Jesus was saying there is he was talking to people that are out here, they've repented, they've believed, but you see there's a difference between being a believer and being a what? A disciple. Did you get that? Are you getting that? 
How many of you know there's a difference between being a believer and being a disciple? And, and, and again, if you want to be a disciple, you're going to have to, a disciplined one, you're going to have to what? Abide in the Word of God. Abide, that's on a daily basis, okay? Now, once you do that, that brings you up here in front of this, this first veil or this door, and now you come through that, and you run into this table of showbread and this uh, candlestick. It was known as a lampstand or the candlestick. Sometimes it's called a menorah. And look at Revelation, the first chapter in the ninth verse. Now, I'm not going to preach a long time here this morning, but what I say, I want you to grab a hold of it, all right? Revelation 1, verse 9. Notice what the Bible says. It'll be on the screen and I'll read. Now, John, see, John was caught up in the book of Revelation. He was caught up to heaven and he saw the actual tabernacle in heaven. Now, notice here, he says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I'm Alpha Omega, first and the last and what you see write in a book and send it to the seven to the seven what to the seven churches which are in Asia and then he lists them you know verse 12 then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me and having turned I saw what did he see seven golden lampstands actually it was one lampstand and when you study that menorah out it was one lampstand it was one piece of gold and it had three prongs coming out on the left three prongs coming out on the right and there was one shaft in the middle which made seven seven places where you could put candlesticks see so when he said seven golden lampstands he didn't mean there were seven different different ones there was one with seven you understand what i'm talking about it was three on one side three on the other that would be how many Six and one in the middle of seven. And notice here the one in the midst, verse 13. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. Now, did you get that? In the midst of the seven lampstands was who? Who was in the midst? Who was it? The son, the son of man and that would be who? Jesus. Now look at verse 20 sake of time, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. Now look, the seven stars, and we didn't read about those, but the seven stars were the angels of the seven churches. I'm not going to get into that right now, but look at this. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the what? Are the seven churches. Now, go back to the picture, please. Look at this. We're talking about how to get close to God, how to have the power of God in your life. Let's go back to this picture. All right. So this represented the what? This labor represented the word of God. You come through this opening here and what did you have? You had this lampstand. What is this lampstand symbolic of? It's symbolic of the what? And it's exactly right. It's symbolic of the local church. Those churches there in Revelation were local churches. And so if you want to have the power of God in your life, you must not only have the word of God, but you must also attend a local church regularly. You say amen? How many of you know God has a local church and a pastor for everybody? 
Now, if you don't know who your local church is and, and your pastor, then you're out of the will of God. Did you know that? How many of you know you don't choose your church, you let God choose your church for you? Did, did you hear me? How many of you know you don't go to a church because you like the music? You don't go to church because you even like the pastor. You go to church because the Holy Ghost told you to go there. Did you know probably 99% of the Christians I've met don't do that? How many of you know your pastor is going to have the word of God that you need for that week? Now, do you need your pastor to do your hearing from God for you? No, you do that yourself. But there's things that you're only going to be able to get through your pastor. Did you, did you hear what I just said? And so uh, you need to get before God, find out where your local church is, who your pastor is, let him pick your pastor for you, and then you go there. Can you say amen? It's just like I didn't pick my wife. I let the Holy Ghost pick her for me. And I've got, a, I've got heaven on her. She's just the greatest thing. You know why, that, why I'm so happy with her? Because the Holy Ghost picked her for me. Couldn't have a better wife. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I didn't find her at the bar either. I didn't find her at the bowling alley. You know where I found her? How come you got such a wonderful marriage? Well, I found my wife at church and I didn't go to church looking for a woman. I went to church looking for God and he had one for me, amen? He picked her for me. Glory to God. I just, hallelujah, I could do a little dancing spell right there. But, but, but here's the thing. If you wanna get close to God and have the power of God, you have to be involved in the what? Local church. Now notice there were seven there were seven lampstands. There one one total. Did you know this was made out? This this was made. This lampstand right there was made out of a single piece of gold, and it was beaten into that shape of a lampstand. Well, wasn't Jesus beaten? And as a result of his beating, didn't the church come into existence? Well, that's powerful symbolism there, isn't it? And, and you had three candlesticks on the left, three on the right, and that one in the middle there was representative of Jesus. Is that correct? So you need to go to a local church where Jesus is the central focus, elevated above all else, men, women, boys, girls, and programs. Can you say amen? amen. That's why we keep him first around here, okay? So now you're a part of a local church, okay? Now, I'm not going to take much time with this one over here, but this right here was the table of showbread, and that had to do with fellowship. Real loud, say fellowship. fellowship. Now, it's important not only that you attend the local church, but that you fellowship with the people that go to that church. Of the, and the Bible talks about being, being around people of, of like faith. You need, you need to be fellowshipping with uh, the people at the local church. Can you say amen? And, and there's so much I could say about that, but for the sake of time. Now, once you've repented, you believed on Jesus, come to the cross, you got in the word of God, you're staying in the word of God, you're, you're hooked into a local church, you know, you're fellowshipping and you're involved in the local church, you're volunteering, you're, you're, you're doing whatever God has told you to do. Then, but we don't stop there. Now what? There's this what right here. What is that? That's the golden altar of Incense. I wonder what that represents. Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to Revelation 8, verse 3. I hope you're learning something. Remember, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to teach you the word of God. 
Revelation 8, verse 3. And another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar and was given much incense that he should offer it with the, with the what? Now notice, he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the what? The golden altar, which was before the throne. So back to the picture, please. What do you think... What do you think that altar of incense represents in your life? It represents being a person of prayer. Did you know something else I'll note? This right here, this altar, it represents having a prayer life. This right here was the smallest of all the pieces. It was smaller than the Ark of the Covenant. It was smaller than the candlestick and the the table and so on. You know what that's symbolic of? That your prayers don't have to be big and long to be powerful. I've heard some people pray some long prayers and there was no power in it. And I've heard some people pray some short ones and their heart was in it and they got results. Now notice as being a person of prayer, your prayer life brings you right up in front of this veil here, this second veil now, this veil was narrower, was narrower than this here and this right here. Thus again, showing that it takes more discipline. How many of you know it takes a lot of discipline to be a person of prayer and pray daily, you see? Somebody said, well, you know, I could only pray five minutes a day. Wouldn't that beat none? How many of you know a five-minute shower can make all the difference in the world? Just ask my wife. She'll tell you there's been times I didn't smell too good and I came in and took a five-minute shower. It made all the difference in the world. Amen. Wouldn't five minutes in the Word a day be better than nothing? Wouldn't five minutes in prayer a day be better than nothing? So start somewhere and, and, and then, then move up from there. So, so what do we have here? We have a sinner. They see that beautiful gate. They repent. They come to the cross, believe, they get saved. They get into the word of God, discipline. Now they've found the church where God has for them. They get involved in that church. And now they've been a person of prayer. And they've moved right up in front of this smallest opening. And now now they're ready to move on up into the holy of holies, into the presence of God. And brother, you get up in there now... You're right up by the power of God. You're close to God. How many of you want to walk close to God? Well, you can't do it without the word, without the local church and fellowship, and without prayer. Now, let me make a few observations that I've made over the years, and then we'll close. As I've already stated, so many Christians... Now, let me ask you, see if you learned anything. Do most of the Christians that I've seen anyway, do they stay out here or do they stay up here? They stay out there, don't they? So that's probably the biggest observation I've made is, is so many people, they repent, they come through the gate, they come to the cross, they just stay out here, okay? So that's one observation. Now here's another observation I've made. Some Christians, they go to this, they, 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 they get saved, they come to the cross and then they get the word of God, they, they come to the word of God, but they stop there. They stop right there, okay? And they say this. Have you ever heard anybody say this? I don't need to go to church. I can stay home and study the word of God. You ever heard anybody say that? Well, there's some truth in that. 
in that you can stay home and study the word of God. But according to what I've shown you here today, can you get up into the presence of God by doing that? No, just limited. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I can just watch a preacher on television or radio? And have you ever heard anybody say that? I can listen to CDs. Good teach. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Well, there's truth in that. You can do that and you can get some blessing off of that. But can you get up here into the true power of God doing that? No. How many of you say this, say assembly required? you ever gotten something that said, you know, your uh, Christmas time, it said assembly required? Well, how many of you know of the church is assembly required? Does the Bible say don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together? Is that right? So that's just something I've observed. Well, I could just stay home and study it at home. Well, you do that, all right, but you won't be in the full will of God doing that. Now, here's something else I, I've learned some, and I've watched. Some Christians, they, they do this, okay? They bypass this labor here. They, 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 don't, they, they don't want the word of God. And, and, uh, they, but what they do want is they want this, they, they come to church, okay? And they like the programs of the church. They like fellowshipping. They like the, the, the donuts and the coffee and all of that. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you bypass this word of God and you just come to church, because you like the programs and the this and that and the other, did you know that you don't have anything more than a social club or a country club? How many of you know you need the word of God at church? Is that right? Can you say amen? amen. But I've seen people, they say, Pastor, Dad, just don't teach us the word of God. Let's just, just hurry up through the sermon. Let's get back to the donuts. Well, I'm all for donuts, amen? But donuts shouldn't be the main thing why you come to church. The main reason you come to church is to worship the Lord Jesus and give him praise and glory. How many of you know you don't come to church to be entertained by the music? Is that right? You come to church to worship God and to honor him, to hear the word of God. And then after that's over, then let's go have donuts and coffee. Amen? Is that all right? But without the word of God, you don't have anything more than a country club or a social club. Now, here's something else I've watched. Some Christians bypass the word of God and they just, they want this right here. What's that representative of? Prayer. And I've watched this over the years. They, they like to pray, like to pray. It's good to pray, but if you pray, you know, they love to pray. And there's nothing wrong with it. But if you pray without the word of God, guess what? You're praying amiss and your, your prayers aren't gonna be founded on the word of God and you're not gonna get any answers. Did you hear me? And then I've watched this. Some Christians, they like the prayer. They go after that incense altar. They like to pray. And they even like the word of God. They like the word of God. And they come to church regular, but they don't like this one. What is that table representative of? A a fellowship. And you know, these really are the most spiritually uh, diseased Christians I've seen over the years is the ones that they want the word of God, they'll come to church and they want to pray, but they won't fellowship with anybody. You know, those are some of the most, most dangerous Christians to hang around. 
people that think they're a little bit better than everybody else and they won't fellowship with anything. All they're going to do is get in the word of God, come to church and pray. Well, that sounds very pious, but without being a person of fellowship, you become reclusive, you become, become, uh, 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 you become very spiritually diseased and, and, and that's not good. How many of you know we do, need, we do need the fellowship, we do need the time spent with one another? Can you say amen? So then to close the message up, we come right up here into this, in front of this veil real quickly. Go to Hebrews 12, 14. Go to Hebrews 12, 14. Because we want, to, we want to take this last step now and get inside to, to the Holy of Holies. What does the Bible say in Hebrews 12, 14? It says, pursue peace with all people and what? And what? Without which no one will see the Lord. Back to the picture, if you would, please. Why is that significant? Because you see, uh, to get inside this, this Holy of Holies, you're going to have to have reverence, you're going to have to have respect, and you're going to have to live right before Almighty God if you're going to want to get up in here where the power is. Can you say amen? Now go to Acts 2 and verse 40, and this will sum it all up, and then we'll go home. Acts 2 verse 40. Now let me just give you a New Testament example of this. I think you'll be interested in this. And uh, let's, let's read through this. And let's see if you learned anything here today. Acts 2 verse 40. And, and with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them. He's talking to sinners. Saying, be what? Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Well, do we see sinners getting saved? Yeah. Now, I don't know. Can, can you jump? back and forth to the picture real quick okay so do we just see sinners coming to the gate and getting saved do we just see that all right now back to acts 2 verse uh, 42 and they what continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship now oh there's in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now back to the picture, if you would. Now they're staying in the apostles doctrine. Is that the word of God? Yeah. And in fellowship and breaking of bread. And they're doing all of this where? In the church setting of the church, is that right? So you see the word of God, you see the fellowship, and you see the church, don't you? Don't you see that? And in what? And in and in prayer. So did they have all this going on for them? They got it all going on for them. Okay. Now, verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul. That word fear has to do with reverence, respect, which... which which causes people to live holy. So they're, they're re- respecting God, the presence of God, the fear of God, reverence. Their, their holiness came upon every soul. So guess what now? Back to the picture. They've moved up right here. And guess what? Now they're ready to move into the Holy of Holies. And guess what happens when you get in there? Back to the verse, if you would, please. And many wonders and were done through the, is that the power of God? 
So, so do you see these people? They repented. They got saved. They got in the word of God. They were in the church setting. They were fellowshipping. They had prayer. They had reverence for God, living holy, no doubt. And they moved into that holy of holies and there was the power of God available. Can you say amen? Did you get anything out of this today? Well, stand with me if you would. Hope you learned something. Praise God. Standing in the presence of God, heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God today. It's so precious, your holy word. So much we can learn from it. And sir, I just trust that as the people listen to this message, that they don't feel in any way, shape, form, or fashion that they have to be perfect to experience your presence. But there are some things that we need to do. We've outlined them for the people today. And we just trust that the word of God has gone into their spirits. It'll reside there. And as they meditate on this word, that you'll bring it to their remembrance and that they'll do these things that we mentioned here today so that all of us can live a life close to you, walking close to you in the presence and power of Almighty God. Now, the heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you're outside the gate, you're outside that gate and you're, you've never, you've never come through the gate and placed your faith in the Lord Jesus. You've never repented of your sins and asked Jesus into your heart and placed your faith in him. I want to invite you to do that here today in just a few minutes when we dismiss. If that's you, when we dismiss, you come up here to the front and there's some nice people standing up here. Come on up and say, hey, I, I, I want to repent of my sins and I want to place my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll do that, I tell you what, you'll get what the Bible calls born again. You'll get saved. You'll get in Christ. So if you need to do that, I want to encourage you to do so. When we dismiss, just while the other people are talking or whatever as they're leaving, you come on up here to the front. Men and women are stationed up here to pray with you and to lead you into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And to the rest of you that are already saved, you've already repented, placed your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to be people of the word. Stay in the word of God. But don't just stay in the word of God at home. Be sure you're people that attend church and come regularly and get involved in the, in the church, not, not just in the fellowship of the, the eating of donuts and all of that, but, but find where your place is in the local church and where God would have you to volunteer and serve him. And then be a person of prayer. If you haven't been, commit to do that. Be a person of prayer. Be a person that spends time in prayer before Almighty God. And live right, live holy. And then you'll be able to walk close to God. You'll be in that holy of holies and the power of God will flow in your life. And good things will be there for you. And when the devil rears his ugly head and comes against you, you'll be able to resist him in faith in the name of the Lord Jesus and he'll have to flee.